Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to church, everybody. Hey, would you do me a favor and fist bump somebody? Say, I'm so glad you're here. You can air fist bump if you want. You don't actually have to touch. You can, you can really do whatever you want. You can shake hands. You can jump up and down or do a pirouette if you can do one. Whatever you want to do. Hey, I'm so, I'm so glad that you're here. I know that I'm also so glad that Jesus is here. Man, I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. Once upon a time, I didn't know you could love Jesus, like actually feel it, um, but you can. It's pretty doggone awesome. Hey, I want to say thank you to everybody who signed up to serve. We had 39 people sign up to serve two weekends ago. And I got to tell you, thank you. It's already easier, man. So thanks for showing up. Like, it's, the burden's already way better. Thank you, everybody who is spending time investing and training in them. I'm super excited to start off this brand new series with you. When I was a little kid, man, I was probably like six or seven, my brothers and my uncles would go out in the yard and they would play football. And I didn't know how to play football. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand the deal until my older brother explained it to me. He explained the rules to me, explained what we're trying to do. You know, I had a kid's understanding, but it was still a correct understanding. He'd tell me, hey, here's where you're going wrong. If you get off sides, don't do that. You know, no pass interference. But somebody had to teach me. I just didn't know. I didn't know what is, what is going on around. Once I, once I knew, I could watch a game and I could, oh, now I get what's going on. Now I see what everybody's trying to do. Sometimes we just need someone to explain it to us. King David was about to be crowned king, finally, of all 12 tribes of Israel. And the people from the different tribes sent delegations. They were coming out to see him. They all, all wanted to be there, so they'd sent these military delegations. Some, some were really brave warriors from one tribe. Others maybe were particularly skilled in weaponry in another tribe. But then the men of Issachar came. That's what it says, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Sometimes we just need somebody to explain it to us. Sometimes we're just in a foreign place. We're, we're under new circumstances. Sometimes, occasionally, from time to time, the world shifts. And what we really need to do is ask for and thank God for the men and women in the land who understand the times. And know what we should do, because most of us don't. That's why we're going to go to God's word today, to try to understand the times we're in and what we should do. I really believe future generations of church historians will look back at this particular moment in time and say, you know, this is kind of when social justice blew up. This is when that became really important, and people had to kind of figure out, the church was going to decide how they were going to think about this and what they were going to do about it. That's happened before in the past. Sometimes the world just shifts. In the first century... Believe it or not, weirdly, it was about, hey, does somebody have to become a Jew before they become a Christian? Like, because Jesus and all the disciples, they were Jews. So do you have to be circumcised first, or like, can you just believe in Christ and you don't have to go through the Jewish things in order to become a Christian? In the fourth century, it was about the deity of Jesus Christ. The church was asking the question, hey, how do we explain what the scriptures say, what the apostles said about Jesus, what he said about himself? How do we fine-tune this so we're saying the exact right thing about God, Jesus being this both God and man? How are we supposed to explain that 
and understand that for people. What, are, what, you know, what does it actually mean? And then in the 1500s, you've got the, Re- the Reformation. Again, the world shifts, and everybody's saying, hey, can we be clear? Is it truly true that people are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Do you have to work your way to Jesus, or do you come to Jesus first, and then he gives you a heart that wants to obey on its own? How does it work? We have to decide. We have to talk about it. We have to know what to do in the time we're in, and it's really hard to predict when you're in a time when it's time to reevaluate. But I really believe we're in one of those times where it's time to reevaluate. So we're going to take some first steps into talking about social justice. And I got to admit to you, I'm super unqualified for this, okay? Just, you know, like, I'm going I'm to give my best shot, man. And what I promise you we're mostly going to do is marinate in the scriptures. Like, that's where we're going to go. Because through the centuries, that keeps being right. So we're just going to go back to this and see if we can't um, season and flavor our values to make sure that we're seeing things the way that God would want us to. If you're not a Christian, you at least will understand a Christian perspective a little bit better as you sit with us through this series. If you came and you're like, man, I can't wait till Carter tears them up and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to say amen a lot. First, do say amen a lot, okay, just for me. Um, But I got to warn you, I might not say the things you wanted me to say, okay? Like really, it doesn't mean that we maybe are not in agreement, but maybe we're not. I I promise I'm going to work really hard by God's grace to just talk about what God says and what he wants us to share. Here's what else we got to understand. I'll probably have to repeat this a lot through this series. We're going to take several weeks, maybe more, to go through this. But this series is going to be about ideas, not about villainizing people. Something we're really bad at in this generation is being able to critique, humbly critique an idea without slandering the person who has the idea. So while we may critique some people's ideas, that doesn't mean we're bashing anybody. Here's another little warning um, just so we're clear, this, this is a really foundational idea. There's nothing in the Bible, even when it's written to groups of people, and there are, there's lots of scripture that's written to groups, it's written to the nation of Israel, it's written to individual churches in the New Testament, but there's nothing in all of scripture that while being written to a lot of people, isn't also written to you, one person, individuals, not a group one person. So I'm going to preach like we've all got some application, not whatever group we could identify with, okay? Does that make sense? We've got responsibilities here. Um, I think this is really important because it would seem like, I mean, you'd think social justice should be like a basic idea for Christians, shouldn't it? I mean, it, that's even what you hear when people are like angry about it. They're like, Christians should get this, man. It's, it's after all in Jesus' very mission statement about himself. Luke 4.18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is quoting the scripture from Isaiah. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Seems pretty obvious right there. And it's been here the whole time. And yet right now, it seems like people are getting hungry for this. People, it's more than, more than the past few decades. Like, this is, this is an issue that needs to be solved now. But that issue is also maybe more complex than it's ever been before. First of all, you've got people claiming social justice that seem to be not quite in line with the ways of Jesus, 
Okay, even though Jesus said this, you've got people carrying the banner of social justice over people and organizations like Antifa. Okay, and I just, I just want to quote this to you. Um, Antifa is super cool with physical violence against those who think differently as, quote, both ethically justifiable and strategically effective. And it celebrates, quote, rigorous beatings. There's professors in universities who they would tout social justice, but really they're teaching a perspective that really the entire thing the world is about, the, the ultra-reality is oppressors versus the oppressed. Like that's the lens to see everything through. Now we're going to encounter a lot of lenses, but we need to understand that they're lenses. So you on your phone, I'm sure you've used this before, okay, if you've used Instagram at all, but now it's probably on your normal phone camera, there's filters. There's things you can do to change the picture a little bit, right? Make it look a little prettier, or you make it look a little darker, or you make it look a little weirder, but whatever, you're taking the original photo, and then you're putting something over it to say, now it looks a little funky, doesn't it? Well, a lot of the truth claims in our culture right now, they're trying to get us to see the world through a filter. And when the Bible comes along, it just wipes away the filters. See, a filter is a theory of reality. Good theology is a good life, because good theology is actually how God says reality is, right? Every place that we've got a theory of reality that isn't actually true, at some point we're going to stumble or it's going to create bad results for somebody somewhere. You've got other folks. You've got the Nazi Party of America claims that they're into social justice. Uh, what? There's an organization that we're going to talk a lot about that their stated purpose is, quote, to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. And yet they tout social justice. Um, is this, are, are these two congruent? Can we put these together? Are there places that we can walk arm in arm with people and say, yeah, man, this is good. Like these things we can totally agree on. Is there a place though that we can dissent? If you're a Christ follower, can, is there a place where it's okay? Can we find some places we, we can dissent and say, you know, I can't go any further here. That's as far as I can go. I can agree with you about all this, but I can't go any further because it's not true, and I need to stand up against it. So when I became a Christian, I became a Christian in the 90s. And man, it was different even back then. Like, the cultural temperature was different, okay? We have become since then, gosh, maybe the most offended generation ever in the history of the world, okay? Everybody's so offended. Now, what's ironic is the strategy of the church, at least in America, a lot of the strategy in the church was just don't offend anybody. It was, hey, let's design services so that, you know, it's kind of like, hey, man, just, you know, whatever. We're, we don't want to say anything too hard because we don't want, you know, we don't want to offend you in case, you know, that might help you get closer to God. And I'm just looking at the fruit of that decision, right? 25, 30 years later, and I'm like, gosh, it seemed like the, the opposite happened. Now everybody's super hyper offended. And so that is making this whole situation more complicated. So, is there a place where we can draw a line on the sand? And I believe it is. I believe we're in one of those moments of cultural shift. Guys, the church has changed. Even just through COVID. In, in America, I need you to understand, like, think about this. People have emptied churches. There is a percentage of people still in church than was before COVID. That has major ramifications over the next decade. Like, that's huge. Is it now finally time to, to stand up, and, and not in, in a mean way, not in a bad way, but just to say, yeah, 
I, this might offend you because seemingly everything offends you, but I can't walk any further here. I can't say that this is okay. I, I'm saying it's not even though, you know, I'm probably going to be public enemy number one if I say that. Some of you might have seen, I'm sure you've seen pictures, at least if you've not seen one, a coral snake. Coral snake, let's see if we got the picture. There's the guy. Those are venomous. Those are poisonous. They will contribute to less health in your life, okay? <laughs> if you pick one of those up thinking you're holding something safe, you might be in for a terrible surprise. Now, what's tricky and wonky a little bit is there's the Mexican milk snake. Let's see that guy. He's pretty similar. You might think one is the other. You might be going to pick up the safe one and find out you're picking up the poisonous one. Just so you, you, you know the little trivia. In the, in the safe one, the red never touches the yellow. There's always black between it. In the venomous one, the yellow does touch the red. Either way, you've got, you've got two things that look very, very similar, but they are not the same. One is going to have a long-term poisonous effect, and one is not. And so here's my, here's my the thing I want to submit to you today, is there's a version of social justice that Jesus is like, yes, yes, this is it. But there's a strain of venom in some of it that will hurt us and hurt the people coming over the next few decades. Here's another thing that complicates this. Um, people are really, because, because of you know, the online world and because of social media, People just, they're not practiced in thinking for a little longer, okay? Like, so you've seen this. Like, it's, it's like, if, you can't, if, it's, if it's not a thought that takes 144 characters, people don't have time for it, okay? If you can't get that thing out of like, okay, that's, that's their whole argument. There are nuanced things to some of the things we should think. That, that we need to think about for a long time. It, it, you can't put it in a tweet. It, you, you can't fight about it and, and, and really summarize exactly what the concept is. And so that's, that's messing with us. You've also got, it, we're already victims of it. You've got in your brain, okay, figuratively speaking, you've got this little machine, okay? I picture mine is chrome. I don't know what colors yours is. Mine is chrome. And in one side goes ideas, and the other side comes out what I'm supposed to think about that idea. Now, some of it's shaped by you know, your background and what you've read and what people have said, but others are just shaped by society and what they say you should think about it, okay? So um, maybe one of them, you know, uh, same-sex marriage goes in and something's going to come out the other side for you and it's going to be good or it's going to be bad. Helping the poor, one's gonna go, it's going to go in and it's either going to be good or bad on the other side. Um, a fight, fighting racism, it's going to be good or it's going to be bad. You know, I think for most people, it's going to be bad. Racism is bad. We're supposed to fight it. But what about a baker who won't bake a cake for a gay couple for their wedding? That's going to go in one side and come out. You might even, like, I don't know what to think about that. Okay, should the guy be free to do whatever he wants to do? Or should these other people not have to be offended? Which one is it? You've got a machine, and we're not all synced on what's in our machines and what comes out of them, but we've all got them. And they're not even necessarily thought through in an argu argument from an argument standpoint. They're just reactionary. They just come out. And here's the problem. They, they contribute to our worldview, but not all worldviews are equal. 
not all worldviews lead to the flourishing of mankind as we have learned, as we look at history. Now, if you don't look at history, you don't know. And so a new idea that is actually an old idea may look like a good idea when it's definitely a bad idea. Okay? So let's look at the Christian worldview. I mean, let's just take that. The Christian worldview is, hey, man, humans are beloved, but they're broken. And they have incredible potential for good, but also for evil. And here's the problem. They can't help but not only hurt one another, but they can't even fix the problems they create. That is the, the Bible view of mankind. It's not that we can't fix any problems. It's not that we don't, you know, transform society and, and slowly across the centuries improve technologically and, and find, you know, cures for disease, all that kind of stuff. All that's true, but ultimately the Bible's saying your deepest problems, mankind, you cannot solve. And you cannot help but hurt one another. And so God comes in and says, I'm going to save the day. I'm going to give you grace to make life on earth less suffering and more bearable. And things are going to slowly get better in certain areas. But ultimately, God is still the one. He's going to, through changing human hearts, invite people into a restored heaven and a restored earth as he works through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. Like, that's his plan. That's plan number one. But then you have plans that are they're more communist. They're plans that deny that human beings have sin at all. The problem is not that humans have sin. The problem is systems. The problem is the, the organizations that people build and the way they do things, and those systems need to be entirely overturned. And that's a very big difference because the moral responsibility lies in two different places in those worldviews. In the Christian one, the moral responsibility is in the individual. The individual sins and is guilty. In the other, the group is responsible. But how many know, I mean, you've, you've worked at places that weren't maybe run very well. How many know when it's everybody's job, it's nobody's job? When everybody's supposed to do it, well, no one's really necessarily accountable for doing it. So you can kind of be mad at everybody, but no one's actually taking responsibility. So we can spend a lot of time building something only to find out later, oh, that wasn't necessarily a good idea. We should have consulted the manual. When, when we were first married, the first thing that I built, okay, my wife and I went to Walmart, we got one of those prefabricated little bookshelves, okay, so I get that thing home, you know, it's, it's not like I built it, it's I knocked it together with, you know, a screwdriver and a hammer, but I'm, I'm building this thing, and I, I get all done, and I realize the bottom shelf is flipped upside down, so all you see is particle board, but now I've hammered it together, and I don't think that I can get this thing apart now without breaking it somehow, you know, they're, they're pretty cheap, man. So it's just like, oh, well, get used to it, dude. You're, this is how your shelf's going to be now. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Why? Because I was like, I, pr I probably know. Like when, when I opened it up, I'm like, I probably know how to do this. There was, a, there was an instruction manual, but I was like, I probably know. And then, you know, for the next several years, I had this bookshelf that was like, man, who, who did something wrong here? You know? Well, our entire culture's like that too. Like, you can just build it in the wrong direction for a couple of decades, and people get hurt. And so we just want to avoid that if possible. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Much that is branded as social justice is actually a threat to social justice. And the only way we're going to understand this is if we pull apart the scriptures. How many know? Because God has seen all of time. He knows what will lead to a dumb-looking bookshelf or death, and he knows what will lead to flourishing and life. God knows what it is. So here's your bottom line. 
social justice won't be biblical justice until we begin with God. Social justice won't be biblical justice, won't be the best version until we begin with God. Let me give you some of the questions we're going to try to answer in this series, okay? First, today we're going to talk about what do we mean by social justice and what do we not mean? Then we're going to talk about can we embrace a version of social justice that uses divisive propaganda? Like, is that something we want to do? Does our vision of social justice in some way replace love and peace and patience with suspicion and rage? Should that be a version that we're okay with? What about, does our vision of social justice, does it take the godhood of God seriously? Is he a character in this somewhere? Or is, is this completely atheistic and has nothing to do with him? Are we going to prefer in our social justice slanderous stories to non-slanderous facts? Which one are we going to do? We got to decide. Are we going to embrace a form of social justice that heals racial divisions or one that makes it worse? Which one? Are we going to embrace a form of social justice that veils the good news of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness? Are we going to embrace a version of social justice that reveals it? I don't know. Which one do you want to do? Are we going to embrace a version of social justice that demands you see it my way? And by the way, that's how you have to see everything. Or are we going to embrace a version that is a bit more reflective, a bit more consultative, a bit more humble? And then finally, are we going to embrace a version of social justice that turns the quest for truth into what is essentially an identity game? Those are the questions we're going to try to answer. So the Israelites needed some discernment. Let's jump back into the Bible. The Israelites needed some discernment. They're fasting. They're saying, God, why don't you move on our behalf? And God answers them. He says, you guys are thinking about this wrong. You're wanting me to answer your prayers, but the problem is you're full of injustice. There's all kinds of right that you leave wrong. There's all kinds of things you should have done that you don't do. And because of that, I'm not going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to give you a prescription. I'm going to know God's a healer. God's a healer. He's always trying to heal. And his word comes to heal. And so he says, I'm going to give you a prescription. This is different than a bargain. God's not going to bargain with these people. He's not going to say, if you do this, okay, then, then I'll give you this. And we'll kind of, you know, maybe even in some way. God says, I'm going to give you a prescription. If you take this, health is going to return and improve. Isaiah 58, six, verse, <clears throat> verse 6 says, The kind of fasting I want is this, remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you. That's the prescription. Health will return. Uh, shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I'll answer you. When you call on me, I'll respond. He says, I'm not responding right now, but if you'll do this, if you'll take this medicine, I'll respond. If you put an end to oppression, listen to this, to every gesture of contempt and to every evil word, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, 
Then the darkness around you will turn to the brightness of noon. Four markers of godly social justice. We're going to go through them quickly. Maybe. Number one, godly social justice is commanded, not suggested. Godly social justice is commanded, not suggested. Now, it's, it's the command of a doctor. It's the command of a doctor saying, take this. Take this medicine. Which means it's both our responsibility, but it also leads to healing. Right? Like, if you've got a sick kid, okay, and, and the doctor gives you the medicine that they're supposed to take, well, you have a responsibility maybe because you're the parent or you're related to them. You've got to give it to them. But also, that medicine is going to make them better. So it's a good deal. You might as well take the medicine. God is saying, I'm commanding you to do this. Please do it because it will make you better. You know, before medicine really kind of came into its own, alchemy was before that. You know about alchemy? Alchemy was just kind of like this experimental thing. It was, it was guessing, okay? Sometimes it's like, hey, can we, let's see if we can make lead into gold. Let's see if we can mix some things that we think might be helpful and see if this will bring healing. Today's social justice music m- movement has a little bit of alchemy in it. It's a little bit like, well, we found this. Let's throw this in there and see if this brings health. God's version brings health. God's prescription, just take God's prescription, and it will bring health to you and me, to our church, and then the ones God heals first, he says, now you go and heal now that you understand what it is to be healed. Here's the medicine. We need to live to free people, not burden them. That's the medicine. God says, you live your entire life. Your life is now about lifting burdens instead of putting them on. Wherever you find any, wherever you find any, emphasis on you, wherever you find any, lift the burden. That is part of my prescription, God says. Now, here's the problem in this generation is there's a lot of ranting of what people should do. There's a lot of, well, if everybody just listened to me and did my experimental alchemy, then it would all get good. Don't rant. That's not the prescription. The prescription is look in your life for injustice. Where can you help? Who who can you see right now? Ask the Holy Spirit, where is injustice existing? Is it existing at work? Okay, take it on. Is it existing somewhere in your neighborhood? Can you even just, even if it's not like, you know, the media wouldn't care about it. Even just, I can bring this person groceries. I can listen to their story. I can get to know what it feels like to be in their shoes, to grow up with their ethnicity. I can find out so maybe I can love more accurately so that I can love with greater discernment. I can look, I can look. But listen, God's very clear. You're commanded to do this. Not them, not y'all, you and me. You individually, me individually. We are commanded to do justice. Here's where we could get off though. When we allow our compassion to cause us to be mad at everybody else. Look man, pain is real. Injustice is real. And there's a, there's a sense it should make us mad. But when all it does is produce us mad at everybody and we're telling everybody what everybody else should do, that makes us miss what we should do. So from now on, let's just let's put this in our medicine cabinet. This is God's prescription. Hey, man, if you're going to talk about what other people do, make sure you're doing it already. Make sure you've got places you're already doing that thing so that you're not a sick doctor trying to hand out alchemy medicine that may or may not work. 
We've got to do this with the church too. The church should be on the front lines of doing this. But do you know most of the organizations that are changing the world by feeding the hungry, they're started by Christians. But they weren't started by churches. The churches were discipling people to know and love Jesus Christ. And then the people went out and were the church. They said, okay, let's solve some problems. And they started to doing. All I'm saying is every one of us, instead of blame the organization or blame the system, which is not a Christian thing to do, we look to ourselves and we say, I can do something with this life that I've got right now. Here's number two. So godly social justice is commanded, not suggested. Number two, godly social justice is characterized. Check this out. Oh my gosh, this is a word for us. I need you to say some really loud amens if you think this is true. And if you don't, you're just wrong. Godly social justice is characterized by kindness, humility, and an absence of contempt or evil speech. God's prescription, the one God says will work, is you got to get rid of all that. All that is supposed to go. Verse 9, what did he say? When you call to me, I'll respond if you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt, and to every evil word. How are we supposed to do that when so much of what we take in is contempt, non-humble evil words directed at different groups? How are we supposed to do that? If that's always before our eyes instead of setting the Lord always before our eyes, how are we supposed to have conversations that aren't filled with venom? God says, if you want the right prescription, you need to get rid of all the name-calling, all the slander, all the dissing the person instead of the ideas. You got to get rid of all that. God says, fast that. Get that out of my house so that I can bring my healing power in. What does this mean? It means we're looking for places, hey man, even when I'm going to engage, I don't want to give them a burden of slander. I don't want to give them a burden of contempt. I'm not going to bring in something that is a diss to them. I might talk about the issue. I might talk about how we could do better, but I'm not going to diss the person. The world is super good because the world loves entertainment of using slander and contempt for entertainment. There was a video that went viral a couple years ago, 2018 actually. It was between, many of you have seen this. If you haven't, it's, it's worth a watch. We'll put it in the app in the next... 24 hours, you, you can watch it because it's instructive. But it's Jordan Peterson on an interview with Kathy Newman. How many saw this interview? So they're in this interview, and, and it's, it's, you feel so sorry for Jordan Peterson. Whatever you think about Jordan Peterson, he's getting hammered in this, in this video, okay? She is taking it to him, but she's, she's, she keeps saying, so what you're saying is, it's like every other sentence. So what you're saying is, and she's characterizing it very different than what he's actually saying. It's the worst possible way that you could understand it. So she's saying stuff like, so you're saying that all women should just give up. So you're saying that um, everybody should just accept the status quo and this is fine. So you're saying that anyone's a trans activist is causing the death of millions of people. Now, if you watch the video, he's not saying any of that. But she keeps kind of like putting words in his mouth. And it started this whole like meme, meme, move, meme movement. I mean, you could just search online. So what you're saying is, and you'll find all these memes that are hilarious. Okay, but that's how we fight nowadays. With contempt, lack of humility. We don't even listen. We say, so what you're saying is, Oh, you don't agree exactly with everything that I think? So what you're saying is, and here's what we're saying when, we say, we're, when we're saying that. We're saying to disagree with me in any respect makes you a bad person. And if you're a bad person, I don't have to listen to your argument. That is not the way. That is not the way of Jesus. And we see it. So I'm not saying you're doing it, but we need to 
come up against it and say, that's, that's where I draw the line. I'm not going there. That's not how Jesus' people do this thing called social justice. That is not the way. The world's going to tar and feather people, but we've got to listen to, this is the most probably famous verse on social justice in the Bible, Michael 6, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, mortal one, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, oh, there it is, justice, yes, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. All three of those in a row, man. Those are all supposed to go together. So that means when we see or are participating in or are watching a protest that is veering into the death speak, that is veering into contempt, that is veering into, and this is no longer humility, this is no longer kindness. And there are great protests that are super almost delightful. They're kind and, and they're great and it's, it's an expression of beauty. And there's ones that are on the verge, if not violent, they're there's hatred palpably present. And God says, that is not the way. That's not the way I'm going to do it. That's not the way it's best. And listen to James giving us this advice. We need some wisdom in this time. James says, James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Oh, my word, willing to yield to others. It's crazy that that's crazy in this time. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, we're super short on peacemakers right now. Got a lot of war makers. Super short on peacemakers. And he says it will produce, it will reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know if you ever noticed this about Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King. His nonviolent protests, all the ways that people didn't fight back, they just took it, they just got beaten, that pricked the conscience of a nation. They were kind. They didn't strike back. They didn't come venomously. They didn't have contempt. And you'll notice the peace that followed the civil rights movement for a couple of decades it was much greater than right now. Why? Because Dr. King and everybody with him sowed seeds of peace. And it produced a harvest of righteousness. That is the way. That's the harder way. It takes way more courage. It takes way more courage even just to have that humility. But that's the way. That's the way that God says will work. And that's why it did work. Which leads us to point number three. Godly social justice brings light favor, healing, more of God's presence and protection, then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will quickly heal and I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. God says, my version of social justice, you start doing right for those that can't be heard. You start extending yourself. You start making your life about helping other people get the win that maybe you already have. You start doing that, boom, he says, I'm going to answer you. That means you're going to say, hey, God, he's going to say, here, God, I need here. He says, I'm right here. As soon as you call, God says, well, yep, what do, you, what do you need, son? What do you need, daughter? I'm here. I'm ready. You've been doing the business I've been, told, I've been telling you to do? Okay, I'm, there's no lag. He almost beats you to the punch. God says, I'm, I can answer right now. I'm present. 
to bring blessing and protection and the sun to rise on your life because you gave yourself to my purposes. I mean, here's, here's what's hard for us. We know this in theory sometimes. And you know this even as an individual Christian. One of the lessons that God teaches us, if you're going to walk with Christ for a little while, is there's a lesson of just do it God's way. And then we're going to not do it God's way. Right? Like God will say, hey, um, Abraham and Sarah, just wait and do it my way. No, God, we got this better idea with Hagar. We're going to do it our way. And what does that do? It postpones the promise that God wanted to bring. It brings all kinds of strife and difficulty. Then you got the Israelites. They're like, God, we want a king. We want a king right now. You know, give us a king, Lord. He's like, if you rush this thing, you're going to regret it. No, nevertheless, give us a king, God. So they get Saul, the bad king, instead of David. They just would have waited. They just would have waited on God's time. And you and I get this test. God says, um, hey, I've got a plan that will work really well for your life, but you've got to wait on me for it. No, God, well, I, I think I can do something else. Oh, dang it. I should have waited on God. Maybe I'll try next time. But in three days, you forgot. And now you're doing your plan again. And God says, well, I love them. And they'll get it eventually. But this is a test for our entire culture. Just do it God's way. Christians, let's start in the church. Just do it God's way. Just determine you're not going to do it, not God's way, because you don't have decades to spare. We don't need to wait here. We don't need all the hell that would come from not doing it God's way. We should just turn around right now. Here's number four. The ultimate goal of godly social justice is the saving of souls. It's not just helping. It is. It is pursuing justice. It is going after it. It is giving our lives to it. But that is not the ultimate goal. Did you see this in the, in the text we read from Jesus? Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, you're in a world that is in open rebellion and treason against God, and that is the reason you have all these problems. But you can be forgiven, and you can be taken directly into heavens in Jesus' presence for the rest of forever. And while you're here, he'll fill you with, with his spirit to make things better on this planet, giving everybody else the good virus too. That's part of the message, and it's the most important part. Because yes, free the, the oppressor will be set free. But if we're going to do things in Jesus' name, if we're going to have compassion in Jesus' name, what is the reason that we do that? Well, why did Jesus come? Let's look at it. What's the purpose? Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The ultimate why. Injustice is a good enough reason to give our lives to it, but there's a greater, even higher reason. And that is because if, even if you and I individually help thousands, tens of thousands of people, but then they die apart from Christ, and a few minutes later, they're literally in hell, and they're aware, and they would say to you if they could, are you serious? You knew about this? You spent your whole life trying to help my short 80 years? I mean, you didn't think about everything that comes after that? Why would you spend so much time on that and just not include this part? That's super unloving. That's doing the opposite of everything you just gave your whole life to. And yet that is the reality. If we don't make sure we're remembering 
Hey, however the world does it, godly social justice has got to include the gospel. We can't do a version of social justice that isn't about people coming, not just being helped. That's not enough. That's not high enough. Not just just injustice removed. People going to heaven. What Jesus died for, brought into his arms. That's what we're after. We're in a moment of cultural shift right now. The world is changing. Reminds me of another moment. Reminds me when Martin Luther, not to be confused with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther is on trial. This is during the time of the Reformation. And he's got some things to think about, man, because he's come against, he's claimed injustice by the church, which was a way more powerful thing back then. He's claimed they're doing some things wrong and teaching some things wrong, and he's on trial. And all the authorities, worldly and ecclesiastical, are gathered together to watch him. They're saying, you need to recant. You need to you stop saying this. Go back to what we said. And he's so scared, he needs to take a night. He's like, can I just have another night? Can I have a recess? I can't, I'm so afraid you're about to kill me. I'm trembling. Can you give me another night? And so they say, yeah. He takes another night. He's, and he's, the next morning, they're expecting he's going to recant. But Martin Luther somehow, by the grace of God, knew the moment that he was in and that it mattered and that courage was everything right now. It was everything for everything that came after this, which ended up being true. And this is what he said. Since your most serene majesty and your high mightinesses require of me a simple, clear, and direct answer, I will give one, and it is this. I cannot submit my faith either to the Pope or to the council because it is as clear as noonday that they have fallen into error and even into glaring inconsistency with themselves. If then I'm not convinced by proof from Holy Scripture or by cogent reasons, if I'm not satisfied by the very text I have cited, and if my judgment is not in this way brought into subjection to God's word, I neither can nor will retract anything, for it cannot be either safe or honest for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. I believe, without trying to be true dramatic, I believe we're in a similar moment right now, as is the church in the world. We need to take a stand. We say, you know what? I can't just not be, I can't worry that you're going to be offended about something. I have to hold the line now with this medicine. This is the actual medicine. And I waited for 30 years for y'all to come around, and you didn't. Here's where I stand. God's word is the cure, and I can get with you. I can go to protest with you. I can do whatever we need to do. I can fight as long as you stay within the bounds of God's word. And the moment that you go on, I ain't gonna, I'm going to get violent with you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just going to say, as for me and my house, we can go no further. Because God's way is the way. And it is what will bear fruit. Martin Luther had no idea the fruit that was about to be born because of that speech. But for the past 500 years, things got dramatically better in almost every way because he held the line as his generation. As we go into this series, next week we're going to talk about why it's so important that God is the very first thing before we do anything else. But I just want to challenge us today. We've got to decide 
And you can wrestle with it. You know, this moment, you don't have that, doesn't have to be this moment. But, but during this series, wrestle with this. Go to your own Bible. Seek the Lord yourself and, and, and say, God, show me in the text how you want me to respond to this. Because we've got to choose his way and stand for him now in this generation. So let's bow our heads. God, we, um, we're, we're sensing a little bit what a big deal it is to be alive in this generation. And we've seen heroes of the past. For as many bad dudes and gals that we've seen, we've seen heroes that they played the man or they played the woman. They stood up in their generation and they said, here I stand. God, would you give us the grace in our little corner of the world to say, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to take the right medicine. And I'm going to try to encourage everybody else and to convince everybody else God's medicine is the right medicine. God, shape us. Make us a force for your justice on this planet that we haven't imagined before. Help us to go your way. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.